Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Dylan Kawinde, an aspiring barrister and the name behind the Get Dill to Cambridge fundraising campaign. In this episode, Dylan and I discuss his background, including his motivations for law, how he's been able to overcome difficulties in his journey, what inspired the campaign, and how he hopes to help contribute toward the future of the legal profession. Let's get into it. So hi, Dylan. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Harry. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, and usually I like to start my podcast with, you know, a kind of brief introductory kind of icebreaker question, which is why people wanted to originally join the profession. And generally, if it's asking someone who's already in practice or someone who's kind of looking to break into it, it's, uh, you know, there's other topics that we cover. But I think the main crux of this episode today is is really quite kind of inspirational and powerful for everything you've been able to do. And I think um, kind of asking you about this journey and this exploration behind you know, your, your passion and desire to, to practice in law and obviously to attend Cambridge is, is fantastic. So hopefully this is going to, um, yeah, give a bit of, sort of substance to your story and help sort of share, share, your, share your message and your profile and what it is that you're, you're sort of wanting to do. So um, I guess, yeah, as an introductory question um, for people who don't know you, what's your, what's your background and, and, and why are you interested in law? So uh, I, um, I am the son of Rwandan genocide refugees. I mm-hmm. um uh, was born here in the UK. My parents migrated uh, in 1994, mm-hmm. and they uh, have always been a source of inspiration for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they lost many members of their family during the genocide, mm-hmm. um, and you know they they inculcated in, in me values of resilience and ambition. So my, my dad was also offered a place at Cambridge University to read mm-hmm. electrical engineering, uh, but he didn't have the the funds to to accept the offer mm-hmm. um but you know he didn't let that deter him he was very ambitious and very um very encouraging me uh mm-hmm. encouraging of me to to read widely and, and to do well at school mm-hmm. uh he, he also ran charity that taught non-natives it skills um and, and that instilled in me a desire to pursue a career that had more purpose mm-hmm. um and then there's my mum who motivated me to develop my, my Christian faith mm-hmm. and you know even despite all the adversities that she's faced she's remained resolute so mm-hmm. uh, you know I grew up in in, in Harrow Road on Harrow Road it's uh, in West London mm-hmm. I attended Westminster Academy which is you know a very ambitious state school it, it uh, we were very encouraged to look beyond our limited resources mm-hmm. and so from that sh- short summary of my background it's pretty clear that I intersect various demographics for whom studying mm. at Cambridge or pursuing a career at the bar remains a distant dream. And the campaign that I've set up uh, is about reversing that trend. So I'm trying to raise 60k uh, mm-hmm. in order to cover uh, both years at Cambridge. So it's a two-year accelerated program. It's, it's like the GDO, except um, it's two years rather than one year. Mm-hmm. And so far, you know, the, the campaign's doing pretty well. I've raised 51k of my 60k target, and it's, it's been uh, featured in the Times, Metro, Legal Cheek, and uh, I also had an interview with UBC um, Radio Five. Wow. And I think part of the reason why the campaign has gained so much attention is that it sheds light on issues surrounding inequality of access and some of the elitist perceptions of institutions mm. as old as and reputable as, as Cambridge. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's incredible. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I think people have clearly connected with how you've been able to sort of overcome 
the sort of difficulties from your background and clearly having that emotional support of your parents has been instrumental in, in kind of helping with that. I guess when it when it came to the, the initial starting point of, of trying to um, launch this campaign, was there a, a sort of spark moment when you wanted to you know try to bring this out into the public sphere? Did it happen by accident? How was, the, how was this kind of journey began? So I suppose I, I knew that I would have to use unconventional means to get to mm-hmm. Cambridge for this degree because I knew it was a self-funded degree. Mm-hmm. And um, unlike the GDL, it, it's not it's not typically funded by law firms. Mm-hmm. Um, the only law firm that had an interest in, in supporting someone in my position was Clifford Chance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I decided quite some time ago that I wanted to be a barrister. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't really an option for me. And then, you know, the, the option to, uh, and then, and then I learned about the opportunity to apply for the GDL scholarship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that only partially covered the fees. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a friend, I still have, you know, he's a friend of mine till today. He's, he's, uh, his name is Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And he, he was in a similar position to me two years before. And he had to, uh, raise, I think it was 66k, mm. um, for his Harvard, uh, degree. Um, not law, but it was, uh, I think it was a one year program. And, um, he also went to UCL and no, he, 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 yeah, he comes from a similar background in that he, he, you know, he's, he's a young black man and mm. stay educated. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was very passionate and, and I, I supported him when he was out there on social media promoting his campaign and it became very clear to me that this was someone who did not let his background um determine his his future and and he mm-hmm. was forging his own path and people saw his potential and so you know I took a lot of inspiration from him mm-hmm. and um when setting up my campaign he he provided a lot of advice around making sure that I knew I knew you know my my why and and I made it very clear in, in my, on my campaign page that this mm. campaign wasn't just about me as an individual, but it was about, um, exposing this issue and making it much more, much more widely known that there are, there are individuals like, like myself who, who have the grades, who have the ambition, but it's, mm. it really is the, the financial means and the inequality of, of income that, that, that is a, that remains a barrier. Mm. Um, so yeah, I spent, I spent a few months last year before, before I launched it in June of, of last year, um, just strategizing. I mean, it was my, my last year at UCL too. So it was quite hard balancing the two. Um, and it required a great deal of time management. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I had a lot, a lot of support and it's been a kind of year long campaign. I, I started last year in June was featured in the times and, and it did well. I raised around 18 K, but that wasn't mm-hmm. enough to cover both years. So I had to, uh, thankfully I was able to negotiate with, uh, with Cambridge and defer entry. Um, and this time around, you know, I learned a lot from the, f- from the sort of first phase of my campaign, what went wrong, mm-hmm. uh, what I could do a lot better. And this time I was much more targeted in the kind of, the kinds of people that I was approaching on, mm-hmm. on my LinkedIn, on, uh, various social media and, uh, and it's, it's, it's doing a lot better now and mm. you know, I'm edging towards the, the finish line. Absolutely. And it's testament that you're here today as well through all those efforts in, in reaching out to me. And I think, 
I think when I first sort of heard of your background and your story and what you were trying to accomplish, um, I think the first question that kind of came to my mind, I'm sure it will for people listening, is you've clearly had to overcome a lot of tough t- challenges, a lot of kind of barriers, as you've said. Um, I guess from a mental perspective, what is it that's helped kind of drive you with your with your resilience in terms of overcoming those challenges and, and just continuously trying to find a solution and to, and to stay on this path that you're, you're sort of working towards? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. I, I have a, a, a lot of coping mm-hmm. mechanisms. Um, there's my Christian faith. So I, I spend quite, quite a lot of time, um, as soon as I wake up reading the Bible, mm-hmm. praying, and it's like a form of meditation, mm-hmm. uh, in my view. Um, so that's what I do like on, on a daily basis. I also attend church quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, other sort of mindset measures that I've put in place mm-hmm. include looking at my goals with the end in mind because it's, it's so easy to get caught up in 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 the process and and be you know ha- let the pressure get to you you know there are mm. times where there have been times during this campaign where you know i've had a lot of i'm getting a lot of traction uh, loads of people donating you know i might raise 10k in one day mm. and then that that's followed by a period of of silence and it's like you know what's going on and it's tempting to to let that to let that get to you and and to to sort of lose heart, but you, you have to you have to be resilient. You have to remember, you know, if people are taking such an interest in your campaign, clearly you've you've struck a chord, mm-hmm. and so you just have to maintain that confidence and that self belief. And you know, you will have individuals who don't quite get it, and mm-hmm. you know, I've I've had people who who you know a small few uh, like a small minority of, mm-hmm. of, of individuals who just don't like the idea of students crowdfunding in general mm-hmm. um or people who've taken specific who uh who specifically don't like the idea of um someone crowdfunding uh and sort of using that background as a way to gain sympathy points and i've made it very clear mm-hmm. to people that this is not you know, I, i'm 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 not promoting a sob story mm-hmm. i'm much more interested in and in the impact that i intend to have on mm. on future generations um and and you know I, I talk about my background just to give people context as to why i'm in this situation to begin with mm. um and i and i think that's that that's helped me remain grounded and uh, mm. having that very clear understanding of why i set this up and 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 understanding that you know it's going to have its ups and downs its peaks and troughs mm-hmm. but you know the 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 benefits that I that I will accrue personally, mm-hmm. and the benefits that I that I intend to um, provide to the communities that I want to serve far outweigh the the costs and the mm-hmm. the, the minor critics, mm-hmm. my, minor objections that, that I might experience. Mm. I, I think that was something that that kind of really stood out to me when you Zushil, first talked about your your actual motivations to join the law generally, and and also as a motivation you you sort of said to pursue the bar route was was to help people. I mean, I I, I think it's incredibly commendable. I mean, in, in terms of where you see yourself going through the the sort of profession from a practice perspective, um, is that the kind of ma- main driving force that, that's pushing you more towards the bar or even a particular kind of practice area with, within law? Yeah, it's interesting because. Um... I've, I'm quite torn between, um, the commercial bar and human rights. I mean, it's, I, I don't have, I must admit, I don't have 
that much experience mm-hmm. at the bar. I've done, I've done, uh, I did some work shadowing at Matrix Chambers, which is mm-hmm. a great, a great chambers. Um, and I was, uh, shadowing a barrister called Sarah, Sarah Hannett. Mm-hmm. And it was on a public law case and it, slash human rights. And up until then, I'd only had exposure to commercial law, which is why I, I talk much more about my interest in, in commercial dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, that's, that I've had the most exposure to that area of, of, of the law as a result of my scholarship at Freshfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but having set up this campaign and doing a lot more reading around what, what kind of career, uh, would appeal to me, I think I, I, I would, it's, it's very hard to say at this stage because I, I haven't even begun studying. <laughs> I'm not going to hold it to you, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind, and mm-hmm. I think, I think that there is scope to kind of combine different areas of the law, just based on what I've seen on on LinkedIn and and uh, different barristers that have taken an interest in my campaign. Like you, you mm-hmm. have barristers who who um, specialize in in various areas of the law, um, mm-hmm. and and don't you know just stick to one to one niche. Um, I might end up being that kind of barrister. But in, in, in any capacity, that there's always the opportunity to do pro bono. And that's something that, uh, that is very appealing to me to, mm-hmm. to be able to offer legal advice, uh, to individuals who just don't have the financial means, um, mm-hmm. to, to pay uh, for, for that advice. And, you know, that, that, that for me is, is absolutely, uh, it's essential. It's, uh, it's one of the nobler aspects of, of the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I, I, I'm very committed to not, uh, yeah, committed to doing in the long term. I also want to do a lot of work with charities. I'm already a part of a few charities now. Mm. Um, you know, working on mentoring and coaching, uh, younger individuals, uh, on, you know, the skills that they need in order to be successful in, in the professions, uh, right. in, and in higher education. Do you kind of view that the equality of opportunity is one of, if not the key things to work toward in in the future of law? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think many law firms have take have made great strides in in terms of improving their their diversity. I think the best law firms won't be um, well. The, the, the best law firms will not be recruiting. Um, in their own image, they're, they're going mm-hmm. to uh, require experts from across different disciplines. So there's that diversity of of thought, mm-hmm. and then there's also the diversity, you know, like you know, in terms of ethnicity and and, and culture. I think that mm-hmm. that's important because you know the global competitiveness of this of this market means that you just can't afford to. To have your traditional white male Oxbridge educated, that's just not enough. And mm-hmm. you know that might have worked in the past, um, but it's just it's just not going to work anymore. Um, and I think there's value to be gained from from diversity. There's there's the moral imperative, but there's also the business case. And mm. I think uh, more law firms are are doing more, are doing better on on the diversity front. What I don't want it to turn into is 
a kind of um, you know sort of like tokenism. I I, I mm. think that's that that is a problem because it can give a very false impression uh, for people wanting to join in to the profession. Um, I think it has to be much more sustained, and you know I I'm not too sure about quotas. I don't think that's I think it's helpful to have to have targets, but um, mm. but quotas are an issue for me because um, that equality of outcome, I think, is something that is dangerous because mm. you it, it can um, put people into boxes, mm. and and what what you find is that individuals are much more complex. They they intersect various demographics. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's much more important to empower individuals and, you know, all that, all the group identity stuff that, that is secondary. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's much more important to make individuals feel like they can succeed in, in a law firm or in, in a, in a uh, set of uh, barristers chambers. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's far more primary. Mm. And I think it goes back to what you kind of originally said at the beginning, which is the idea of kind of championing, championing that, that diversity of, of thoughts. And ultimately that is influenced in, in part by, by your background. And I think that you're absolutely right. The, the, the greater the, the degree of acceptance for a greater diversity of background, the more creative solutions we find, the, the more kind of elements we will consider when, when problem solving and ultimately the, the greater kind of thoughts and opinions that, that we will have when going into a room, which is better for everyone in terms of the firm itself in, in kind of promoting a, a collegiate and inclusive culture and, and ultimately for the clients who are, like you said, rightly so, coming from all kinds of different backgrounds um, and, and, and requiring solutions which are going to be driven from all four corners of the globe. So, um, no, I, I think that's, a, that's an important point you raised. So we obviously talked about how you know this this idea of increasing backgrounds, increasing diversity, and access to professionals is, is clearly a, an important component of its future. Um, but a lot of the conversations I've had, both with currently practicing lawyers and innovators, as and I think just reading the headlines, everything that you see nowadays, there's a huge emphasis on the tech side as well, um, with admittedly scary headlines about robot lawyers and the, these incredible sweeping technological changes. Um, I guess. What are your thoughts on 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 this technological impact it will have as someone who is aspiring to enter the profession and and if you're if you're fearful of it or, or kind of embracing it? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the, the interesting thing about new technologies is that the hype around them and the expectations that we have around them are, are most pronounced when we uh, know the least amount about them, uh, mm. and the more the more sophisticated our understanding of them uh, becomes the less hype there is around them because we, we come to understand that actually um, some of these so-called revolutionary technologies are, to put it bluntly, uh, you know, just glorified Excel spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, part of that hype is, is generated by um, corporates who want to, you know, who care about their bottom line and want to attract investors. And so I think as, as a lawyer, it's important to see through, see past all of, all of the hype and actually understand what the different technologies are. Because 
even the term AI, it's often it often conflates different technologies that mm. are you know that aren't exactly what we mean. Um, you know, w- w- when we talk about AI, we might think about something a technology that is say um, self aware, um, or we might just mean some uh, you know like a predictive algorithm which isn't which isn't self aware at all. It's just it's just really good at crunching data. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it's important to not be possessed by an unbridled optimism regarding mm. a law firm's latest innovation efforts. But that's not to say that this is a very exciting uh, topic and something to be yeah something to 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 actually look into and to and to be excited by. Um, you know, the, the Legal Geek Conference, which was the world's first legal tech startup event, mm-hmm. is an example of of you know, of how there are various technologies, uh, like BCLP's Sherido, uh, which mm-hmm. verifies property details against public records and Freshfield's Kira, which leverages proprietary, uh, machine learning technology to automatically identify and extract relevant information from contracts. So, you know, th- th- there's a lot of technology out there, mm-hmm. um, but it's far removed from the sort of science fiction dystopian concepts that some people, uh, <laughs> some <laughs> experts even propose. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think the more these technologies mature and, and are fine tuned, um, the more the legal tech will remain, um, largely in the realm of nonfiction and, and, you know, something that's much more realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot that we could say about this. And I, I, I'd be keen to actually, expand on this topic perhaps in a in another episode and a really insightful conversation i think it's incredibly amazing how you've how you've been able to overcome this resilience how you've been able to, to obviously drive such an incredible campaign to the point where you're almost there and hopefully this podcast can help push it just over the line <laughs> with uh with the 60k but um i don't know how much influence i'll have in relation to bbc news but i can <laughs> i can uh, i can do my part but um no it's fantastic Dylan. where can people go to learn obviously more about yourself and everything that we've uh, we've talked about today well they, they can find me on or all of the major social media platforms. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you just type in my full name, Dylan Kowende, mm-hmm. um, you'll find me on, on, on Google. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that uh, any of your listeners may have. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm launching a, a YouTube channel myself. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be great to collaborate with anyone and everyone who's interested in, uh, legal issues generally and um you know thinking about how we can sort of demystify what it means to be uh a cambridge student or you know a barrister um i think yeah it's it's an important work to do and i'm i'm trying to reach out to as many people as i possibly can so we can continue this mission Absolutely. Well, it's an incredible, incredible mission to to see to see you kind of generate, and I, I wish you the best of luck with the future. But for now, thanks for coming on the show and for sharing your journey. It's great to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the More From Law podcast. The amount of support the show has received recently has been unbelievable. So thanks again for playing your part in that by listening. If you'd like to support the show, please rate it five stars on the iTunes Store and follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps the show reach more listeners. If you're looking for more tips, resources and guides, you can visit my website www.harryclarklaw.com where you can also sign up to my newsletter and stay up to date with everything that I'm up to. 
For now, though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.